This is ESPN FC Daily. I'm Kay Murray. This is Luis Miguel Echegaray. And we have just witnessed Argentina making it to the World Cup final for a sixth time in their history. No such problems, it seemed, against Croatia. Probably was even easier than they were expecting. 3-0 it finished. Julian Alvarez involved in all three goals. But we saw some vintage Messi, Luis Miguel, and that is where we must start. A vintage Messi. Okay, Mari, a vintage Messi, 35 years old, and he's defying gravity, logic, football logic. I don't know what to tell you. It was a remarkable achievement. Our producer keeps giving us stats on Lionel Messi in this World Cup, and I'm sure that Kay and I, uh, we're going to talk about some of them, but it's really more than that. This man is ridiculous. The fact that he was the man of the tournament in 2014 when they were in the final that time around against Germany and lost, of course. And now, once again, they're in the final is amazing. And it's even more amazing the fact that Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia. What an obstacle they had to climb. Every game from that moment became a massive challenge, and they did it over and over again. They're not Copa America champions for no reason. What a remarkable, remarkable performance. We're going to talk about how poor Croatia were, of course, but Argentina, Julian Alvarez, Enzo as well in the middle with Depau and McAllister. But really, this is about Lionel Messi leading his Argentina side to another World Cup final. Fantastic stuff for the South Americans. I tell you what, what a story. Lionel Messi, just take even his club career aside, just his story with Argentina, with its ups and downs through the years leading up to even this point. Even if it stopped here, it's it would be a fantastic read for anyone and definitely some great viewing as well. Anyway, we can welcome in now a man who's written many a story about Lionel Messi. He's followed his career very, very closely. Sam Marsden, thanks so much for joining us on The Daily. What did you make of Messi today for Argentina? <laughs> Yeah, as Luis says, you know, words are failing us for Messi these days. I mean, I think the most incredible thing is that he's coming now at 35. And I think that kind of he's playing with a little bit of weight off of his, not, not off of his shoulders. It's still on his shoulders and there's still that pressure, especially now that Argentina are in the final. But in past tournaments, you really felt and you really saw from his body language that he really carried that with them. And I actually tweeted before the Saudi Arabia game and it's almost... I can I can I can bring it back up now because they've got to the final. But I said that he just he just looked so sort of free and so sort of relaxed in terms of a major tournament that he's not had before. Perhaps off the back of that that Copa America win, and it, it has proved as so. I think throughout these these games, even like Argentina have been pretty much under pressure in every game since that Saudi Arabia game, and and they've delivered. I don't think they've always been been brilliant. I think they've been better in other games, worse in other games. Had good spells and bad spells. I don't think they've been an outstanding team. Um, but yeah, I mean, Messi has been fantastic and that assist for the, for the goal today. I mean, lots of people are commenting it on, on social media. The fact that it was Gavardiol, who for, for Croatia has perhaps been the standout centre-back, not just for them, but in the tournament, perhaps he would be in the, the team of the tournament. And Messi, you know, 35 is still putting him on the floor, sort of reminiscent of the, not, not quite, but that Jerome Boateng moment for Barca back in the Champions League semi-final and then putting it on a plate for Julian Alvarez, who obviously also deserves lots of credit for his role in the three goals, as you said, Ken, him coming into the team to replace Lautaro has proved a, proved a masterstroke from Scaloni. Yeah, and, and we've got to remember as well, Kay, that, uh, you know, some great stuff there from Sam. We've got to remember as well that this is Scaloni's first World Cup as a manager. And I know that, obviously, that's, uh, you know, kind of understated, obviously, because of the squad that he has. But to lose against Saudi Arabia, the entire pressure of not just the team, but the nation were on him. This is an Argentina side 
that has needed to not just, you know, I, I just, I, I'm done with saying things like Messi dependencia. It's not about that. It's about, you know, you have a gem, a jewel at Lionel Messi. What do you do around it? And, you know, Sam brought up Julian Alvarez, who, by the way, is just magnificent. What a magnificent player. And I know that we'll talk about him uh, later, but it's not just about him. All the pieces needed to work. One, just one comment on that, on what he did to uh, Gavidil, by the way, that assist for Messi. I mean, he's 20 years old, the Croatian defender. Uh, or in his 20s, right? You know, Messi's 35. And he sent him back to kindergarten with that. It was unbelievable. And, and, yet, and, and yet, Luis, there's no shame in it because no. it's messy. It's, this it's not an insult to him. No, yeah, that's right. It's not an insult to him. Like, what he did was ridiculous. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what he's doing. And to me, like, it, it, it's, it's more impressive than any World Cup performance that we have seen. By the way, he becomes Argentina's all-time scorer in the tournament. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, really unbelievable stuff. I, I, we must cut, keep talking just a little bit about Messi because I really do want to get to Julian Alvarez, the kid who grew up with posters of Messi on his wall. And that also takes away some of that chat about Messi. How old do we feel, Kay? What a performance. I know, I know. Although in football, someone could be five years older than you and they're an idol because there's that, you know, there's that gateway. Maybe you're headed into your teens, so you don't have to feel that old. I am starting to feel old, though, with the players that I'm seeing enjoying their last World Cups. That's starting to make me feel old. But we must continue to talk about Messi because, Sam, so often we talked about everything that we saw with him in Barcelona. And for many years, there were Argentines who criticised Messi because they wanted more from him on the national, international stage. And they wanted him to be doing the things that he was doing with Barcelona in terms of winning these trophies. They've got to be happy with this now. And it feels as though there has been a change in the way that they see Messi in recent years, that finally, even the critics from Argentina that weren't always behind him and now behind him, it feels like everybody believes in this player right now. Yeah, like you say, it's such a, a contrast in a way, his, his club career and success with, with Barcelona to the mostly, I mean, I mean, getting to the World Cup final, I guess, isn't up, but then the downs and, you know, the painstaking sort of heartbreak of penalty shootouts in Copa America finals with, with Argentina, you know, coinciding with his 2016 retirement. And perhaps that retirement was perhaps the start of, you know, sort of the, the changing of the, the opinion towards him, if you will, because like you say, he's never been revered like Maradona. There's obviously lots of reasons, reasons for that. But, you know, there was that campaign to bring him back. And perhaps since then, I think his relationship has improved. I mean, they still underperformed, I guess, a little bit. They lost to eventual winners France in 2018. But from there, there's been sort of an upwards arc with, with Scaloni coming in and, you know, with the, the way the team has sort of, you know, been, been built around Messi without, like, without quite being, obviously, Messi's, you're always going to depend on, on Messi, without quite saying Messi dependency. But there's, there's a different sort of feel to this Argentina team and how it's built around him, um, like you say. And yeah, it's all sort of, I mean, before the tournament, I wasn't so sure, especially after the Saudi Arabia game and, and some of the performances, even though they were, they were getting through, I wasn't sure. But it's all sort of feeling all too sort of romantic and all too sort of set up for, for Messi to, to finally get his hands on this World Cup at 35, isn't it? Yeah, it, it does have that feel, doesn't it? I mean, just watching that game, even from the beginning, at any point did you think Croatia were going to win it, Luis? No. No. <laughs> no. I, I, you know what? Argentina were not good in the first half, and yet they were winning 2 nothing, And that said a lot about what Croatia were doing. And I'm trying to figure out why Croatia were not as impressive. It could be that a lot of it, physically and emotionally, was taken out of the win against Brazil. But I doubt it because Croatia are such professionals. I think 
Listen, I tweeted something before the game started about how this game actually was very similar in terms of both teams had similar DNAs. They both uh, disrupt and they react aggressively to disruption. And I don't think Croatia were quick enough today to react to what Argentina were doing because the moment Argentina were losing the ball or some uh, sequence of play that wasn't going their way, they reacted almost immediately. And that said a lot about players like Tagliafico, who I thought was majestic today. Like, we're talking about Tagliafico. I thought he was fantastic. We're talking about their midfield, who was fantastic. We're going to talk about Julian Alvarez in a second. And I think Croatia really didn't show any of that. Modric was kept relatively quiet, which is a major part of it. Perisic was not as aggressive as today. So it was a little disappointing from Croatia. But I think a lot of it was down to the fact that Argentina were that overwhelming when they didn't have the ball. Okay, so last point on Messi that I'm going to say. What is interesting, though, Sam, you talked about him looking more relaxed and everything, but then in the last game against the Netherlands, we saw a really fired-up Messi. And even though he he was fired up in this game, it feels as though this does all still come down to experience where you know what you need in each game. In that game, they used what Louis van Gaal had said before the game as a motivation, and it seemed that that's why they were so pumped up afterwards, whether people liked it or not. In this game, he knew the importance of it, the cool heads, knowing what they were coming up against in Croatia. Do you think it is that we're seeing that with him? And is it great to see this passion from him that not everybody always sees if they don't follow him on a weekly basis, and if they didn't follow him on a weekly basis when he was at Barcelona in La Liga? You know, it comes back a little bit as well to what you say about his improving relationship with the people in Argentina and the Argentine fans, because I think they like seeing that a little bit more. That's something almost that defines this Argentine is that emotions that they that they run on at times. They're kind of just sort of sort of I don't know quite what they're going on, but they're just they're just so up and sort of so emotional. And, you know, when they win every group game, there's been there's been huge celebrations. And obviously Messi's really bought into that. And we're seeing that emotion, perhaps that added sort of, you know, feeling that this is his last real chance at winning the World Cup is. Is firing them up a little more and provoking, you know, those those post-match reactions to, to Van Gaal and, and Veghorst. I mean, the Van Gaal thing was was also interesting because I hadn't seen a lot of stuff pre-match about that. And sort of speaking to a couple of Argentine journalists, they hadn't really gone big on the, the Van Gaal comments. But obviously, it got into that, that Argentina dressing room and they've kind of got that mindset, you know, that it's us against the world kind of thing. And they really use that to to fuel the the, the motivation and the emotion that they're, that they're running on at the, at the moment. Yeah, it's really interesting to see, isn't it, that you can see, I suppose, because we see behind the doors of many a dressing room now with all the documentaries that we see, no doubt many a coach are using comments like that. And I felt it was the same. And even when I saw some of um, those comments, I was thinking, are they that bad? But then you don't know how they've been put to those players in that dressing room and the part that they've played in that motivation as well. So we keep telling you we're going to talk about Julian Alvarez and we have to because he was the one who won the penalty. Then he put the old FIFA boosters on and scored the next goal. And then he scored the third goal as well. And his story alone in this World Cup is just wonderful because it was Lautaro Martinez, as we've mentioned, and then something changed. It was that 63rd minute in the second game, wasn't it? I think it was the second game. He comes in, everything changes. And then after that, he's starting, he's scoring. He didn't score in that Netherlands game. But here he is again in this game in a semi-final at 22 years old, playing alongside his idol, who, let me just say again, he had posters of on his wall when he was a kid. He's got pictures of him as a fan. And he goes and delivers a performance like this. Now, Luis, I want to talk about his performance. Let's do that. But also, let's talk about the fact that, and this is nothing against Erling Haaland, but because of the headlines Haaland took, I feel as though Julian Alvarez and his talent and everything he is got lost. 
at Man City, not that it's been lost on the on the big stage, of course, but got lost in the headlines because of the Haaland story. Kay, I get really angry when we talk about Julian Alvarez, and I'll tell you why. Uh, when he was still at River Plate, uh, way back, before anybody in Europe even knew about Julian Alvarez, I was screaming, screaming on any Aston Villa forum, any Aston Villa site, <laughs> this kid has a doable release clause. He is ridiculous, and he will be ridiculous. And of course, just like Jen, my wife, nobody heard me. So there we just kept it all quiet. And then in comes in Pep Guardiola at Manchester City. And of course, he makes uh, the transfer to Man City. And to your point, all the noise was about Erling Haaland, and rightly so. He's a tremendous uh, talent, uh, the Norwegian. But Julian Alvarez is so, so special. And now we are seeing it at the World Cup. The fact that he's delivering just like that. And today was a perfect example. Just like you said it. You said it perfectly. It was like pressing that FIFA, you know, um, L1. And he just went for it tremendously. I mean, he is such a talent at that age as well. And it kind of, not listen, I, I don't want to insult any Man City fan, obviously. But it annoys me that he's at Man City. Because he should be somewhere where he really takes more of the headlines. But, you know, what better way to learn the game under, than, than Pep Guardiola, of course. But he is such a talent, K. Murray. He is so good. Sam, how good is Julian Alvarez? He, he, he's good. I haven't seen loads of him at Manchester City, obviously, because he's not had loads of playing time. So getting acquainted with him a bit more in the in the World Cup. But like you say, it's not just it's not just how good he is. He's just such a nuisance as well. I think it was I, don't, I think it was possibly before the third goal where Croatia sort of played out and he came in and he just sort of tracking back and fouled Modric. Um, and the commentators here in Spain really loved that. I think Modric had beaten two players and done a really nice thing, but it was the the Alvarez sort of tactical, cynical foul that drew the drew the main plaudits from the from the Spanish commentators. But yeah, he, he looks really good. And like you say, he's at Manchester City where he's not getting perhaps loads of playing time or as much playing time as he should. He's also a player who who Barcelona looked at a lot. Um, and perhaps they might be thinking, I mean, Robert Lewandowski's doing doing really well, but he costs a lot more and he's, you know, 34. Perhaps they'll be thinking maybe they should have just taken the chance on Alvarez at a much lower price and a much lower salary, I'd imagine, and sort of go go with that. But they, they've done what they've done now. And Alvarez is that is that Manchester City, but there's a, there's certainly that way of thinking among some people at, at Barcelona. Lewandowski shouldn't worry because, as we've seen today, 35 is the new 21. Uh, there is a lot to look forward to if you are approaching your mid-30s, let me tell you. Well, if you're Lionel Messi, that is, or if you're an Argentina fan. So Argentina through to the final, 3-0 win over Croatia. But when we talk about Croatia, we have to talk about Luka Modric. What a legend. He has been for his national side, for Real Madrid, for everything that he brings. You know what? When I was working for Real Madrid Television, I did his first interview as a Real Madrid player, his first official interview anyway. I'm sure there was someone who stuck a mic in his face when he got off a plane or something. And to, to even sit down that day and even just a few months later, him to be voted the worst signing of the season by Marca, which is hilarious now, obviously, in hindsight, it still did not hit me or anyone, I'm sure. We knew the talent that was there, but that he would go on to do what he did. Yeah. Uh, for club and country, I mean, this is by all means a, a football legend, Sam. This is not just a legend at Croatia, a legend at Real Madrid. This is one of football's greats that we've seen in action, and probably for the last time in a World Cup game. Yeah, Modric is a is a lovely player. I think if, you, if anyone who likes football likes Modric, he's one of those players that transcends rivalries. Um, you know, you see, you know, obviously he's a, an icon at Tottenham and. 
and Real Madrid, but you also see, you know, fans of Arsenal or Barcelona or other clubs who would be rivals with them who just sort of take their hats off to him. And, you know, he's sort of had a fantastic World Cup. And like you say, at 37, it's, it's incredible how he's still, I mean, he went the, the distance against against Brazil in the in the quarterfinal. I'm sure he would have gone on for more today if they if they weren't losing losing 3-0. And, and even today you saw in, in little bits, him and Kovacic, I thought, showed, you know, nice little moments perhaps before the... Before the before the goal, but ultimately, obviously, Croatia fell apart. The first two goals really sort of poor defending through the middle. Modric is football's Mikhail Baryshnikov. He is a dancer <laughs> on the pitch. He's a conductor. He orchestrates everything. And there's a stat here, as you both were talking, what a great story, Kay, about Real Madrid. He's just, Modric is just the fourth player to start six matches at a single World Cup tournament while age 37 or over after Brazil's Nilto Santos Dino Zoff and, and Peter Shilton in 1990, a goalkeeper. And, and he's not just starting at that age, but he's conducting. He nearly got his country once again to another World Cup final. And Sam said it so well. Like, if you like this game, you love Modric because he is just an absolute artist. And it's going to be a shame not to see a player of his caliber at the World Cup anymore, but hopefully a few more years to come with Real Madrid, but what, what what an absolute talent. Sam, let's stick around the Spanish uh, football-centric conversation here because Luis Enrique, by the way, um, I, you know, I, I want to ask you about that. Uh, who poses, uh, you know, we asked him about the same thing, but who poses a bigger threat to Argentina in the final, do you think? Well, it's France. It has to be France. Um... Morocco had a yeah, fantastic, fantastic tournament and could beat France and could beat Argentina. And I would love it if Morocco were to go on and win the tournament. That would be a fantastic story as well. But I think France posed the biggest threat when you look at, you know, the individual quality in terms of, you know, especially Kylian Mbappe, obviously. Um, it's probably the final the Qatari owners of Paris Saint-Germain want with, you know, Lionel Messi against Mbappe, the two Paris Saint-Germain stars. Um, so, yeah, I think with all respect to Morocco, who've done fantastic against uh, Spain and then Portugal, they were brilliant. They're brilliant in the group stage with, you know, Croatia and, and Belgium and Canada as well. Um, they've got really, really solid, solid sort of um, shape, a really good shape. And they've also got players that can do damage on the tap on in the final third. But yeah, I think um, France are just, you know, France, are, as, as England saw, they don't have to be at their best to sort of, you know, to to score goals or to take their chances. Perhaps England's best spell was coming at sort of one all and then France, a couple of chances and they're, they're ahead and then they, they see the game out and they're the world champions. And Argentina will want revenge from, from that, that elimination four years ago. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? The, the And also 2018, Croatia, 3-0 in the group stages against Argentina. No such story this time around. Listen, before we wrap up on this segment, head on over to our website. Tim Vickery's done a great piece on Lionel Scaloni's difference making basically at this Argentina side and how he's been able to get the best out of them the fact that they didn't drop their heads after that Saudi Arabia loss the fact that they stuck to their guns and continued in the way that they planned to the fact that he's been able to make changes and that they've paid off as well so head on over to our website to see that if you're an Argentina fan you'll definitely love reading that but Alois did mention Luis Enrique Sam and I'd like to know more about this we'd like to know more about this because before we came on today we were talking about some more of his comments that we've heard from in that if he could do it all over again, he would have only taken 25 players and not 26. Does anybody know who this 26 player is that he didn't want on the squad? No, no one, no one knows. There's, there's obviously speculation and you could perhaps talk about some of the players that perhaps didn't play or perhaps some of the players that 
that didn't play play too many minutes. Um, one thing we do know it's not Pablo Sarabia because he said he really regretted not using him more. Uh, he obviously only came on. I think I think he came on for one appearance right in the, that final game against Morocco. Hit the post, having come on just to take a penalty, and then missed his penalty, hitting the post again. Um, so it wasn't Sarabia, but I'd imagine it was probably perhaps an attacking player who took a lot of players. Ansu Fati had been injured, and when he admitted before the before making the tournament, it was a big sort of quandary for him whether to take Anzu. He took Anzu. Anzu made a couple of substitute appearances, but didn't quite make the, the desired impact. Jeremy Pino, the Villarreal winger, didn't play at all. A couple of others didn't play. So you're probably looking at looking at one of those guys. I don't imagine it would be one of the defenders because I think he's too stubborn to say that he should have taken taken Sergio Ramos or anything like that, and that could have made a difference. I was going to say it's Morata, isn't it? Because he just hates uh, strikers. <laughs> like, no, because it's interesting because he's so honest and he's so open. Yeah. And obviously he'd get criticised if it was for a bad reason. That You think that if there was an issue, he'd say who it was. Uh, but it just feels like a weird thing for him to say. Anyway, yeah. I'm sure there'll be more with that because, as we know, the Spanish press will be picking at that one now and trying to find out more and speculating anyway and then we'll have to make our own decisions too won't we uh, any thoughts then on Luis Enrique from you Luis or should we move on no let's move on I think it's done thank you so much Luis Enrique good luck to the rest of whatever happens uh, after your career I, I, I hear that it's club uh, club a uh, club that he wants to go back to some club work so it'll be exciting to see where he goes yeah, uh, Sam, we're going to let you go, but thank you so much for being with us. It's been great to get your insight on Lionel Messi and we hope that you enjoy the rest of the tournament. No worries, guys. It's been a pleasure. You too. Speak soon. Who we got now, Luis? All right. We got Anwar Amrani, I believe, is coming in. All right. Anwar. Hello. Welcome to Anwar, the show. Anwar, I missed you friend. last time. My first time. Sorry. Last time okay. I was sick. Sorry. My, my bad. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> don't ever apologize please don't ever apologize not on this show so here we go we know what's coming up tomorrow obviously france against morocco how do you see it going well as a moroccan i have to say it's, it goes all the way to morocco no but it's in it's what's great tournament so far for morocco morocco has nothing to lose they uh for them it, this is already the final for them they already got the trophy for them in uh not physically but mentally they got the trophy it has been a wonderful tournament for Morocco, uh, beating Belgium, beating Spain, beating Portugal. You know, nobody thought even Morocco would make it through the group and look where they are now. So, uh, but France right now, <laughs> it's, it's very difficult for them. France is top level with the strikers they have, with Giroud on fire, Mbappé on fire. Uh, but if Morocco can play the style they played against Spain, against Portugal, anything can happen. Anwar, I know that Kay is probably going to ask you a lot about the team as well and some players. There's been some good storylines. I, I just straight away, I need to know about the Moroccan mood, the collective Moroccan mood, because obviously I'm seeing and we're all seeing all these incredible videos from the Moroccan diaspora. I mean, here in New York City, in Astoria, Queens, to Edgware Road in London, and then you go to Rabat and Mar Marrakesh, Casablanca, France, everywhere. It's just unbelievable. H how is it? Is it even more than the videos and the images suggest? Well, th that's the thing with this team. It's uh, not just a celebration in Morocco. It's in the entire world because you got Moroccans everywhere, like you said. And uh, the thing they're ce celebrating all together because you got in this whole team, you have players from born in, in Spain, in France, in uh, Belgium, in the Netherlands. Uh, even in those cities where they are born, people are celebrating. And the same goes in, uh, you know, in Morocco. It's 
is one big party for for weeks, even after the first game when they uh, went 0-0 against Croatia. It was a big party because, well, they played against Modric and they held Modric to 0-0. It's 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 incredible because it's just not one country uh, that they are representing. They are representing entire Africa because I've also seen footage in Nigeria, in uh, in in South Africa, in uh, you know all those countries. It's just incredible. This is really the World Cup for Morocco, as you uh, mentioned. Just not not just the country. Now it's fair to say, Anwar, that England, our England team kept Mbappe a little quieter than usual. That's about all they can celebrate from that game against France. How can Morocco do more of the same in stopping that threat and nullifying that threat of Kylian Mbappe tomorrow? Well, actually, the same as they did uh, in the previous game. The thing with Morocco, what they do well is they put one guy on uh, a striker and uh, as soon that guy, that defender makes a mistake, there comes a backup, and you have Amrabat, you have Hakimi. I'm really looking forward to who's going to win the sprint race between Hakimi and Mbappé. This is going to be <laughs> yeah. fun. Either Hakimi goes up front and Mbappé has to come back, or Mbappé goes up front and Hakimi has to follow him. This is going to be fun. And I saw a tweet of or a quote of Mbappé that he really wants to beat his best friend Hakimi. So that's going to be a fun thing on the right side for Morocco. And... If, you know, putting Hakimi on uh, Mbappé is going to be fun. It's, uh, well, it's like Usain Bolt against uh, the 100 meter sprint on the, on the Olympics, I think. I tell you something, Hakimi right now with that Penenka <laughs> and then the celebration, I'm his biggest fan right now. Hey, listen, I, I, I want to ask you about something just strategically speaking, because obviously, like Kay said, stopping Mbappé is an issue. But the fact that you're the first African team in this situation, it's unbelievable stuff. But I like when I watch Morocco, Anwar, I feel like it's just this collective sense of unity. You're like an army. Like when, when you don't have the ball, it doesn't matter. Everybody's in sync. And I feel like Walid Regragi is just, he's created this. Or do you think it's more than that? How important has the manager been towards this success? Uh, I think he's the most important thing of this whole success. Because the thing is, uh, his predecessor, uh, he had problems with all those players. He put out uh, Ziyech out of the team, Mazraoui, Amin Harid. And Regregi came in in August and he said, you know, uh, whoever had problems with the previous manager, he, he can come back. So the first thing he did, he called Ziyech, he, he called uh, Mazraoui, he called uh, Amin Harid. Uh, all those guys came back and uh, he, he made it a, a collective team. He said, look, uh, in, in, in two first friendly, friendly games that he played, played really attacking style of football. And uh, they scored two goals against Chile. I never forget that friendly match. But they had a lot of space behind the defenders. Anyway, he said, look, uh, we can't play like this at the World Cup because we're going to play against Belgium, we're going to play against Croatia. We can't play this style of football. So he put this team together. He said, look, we're going to play defend defensive style. Maybe you won't like it, but we have to put it this way. And you see Ziyech defending. Uh, I've never seen Ziyech defend like this, even at Ajax when he was like that. You see Buffal return. So uh, it, it's 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 really a fun team. And he made it a collective, a collective team. And he says every time, you know, we play for the Moroccan uh, country. We play for those people. And he motivates, what I hear from the team, he really motivates them in a, in a good way. And you see it on the pitch, uh, how they play. It's like 110%. And, 
I wonder who is going to be fit tomorrow. That's going to be a real a big question because I heard they didn't train a lot. They only went to ice baths, swimming, uh, just to get, stay fit and healthy for the for the match against France. Now, just before before we let you go, Anwar, I want to talk to you about a player you've already mentioned, but he was left out of Julian Laurent's World Eleven of the tournament so far. And even Jules said it was hard to leave him out and he would have been on the subs bench. But you've mentioned him already. Sofian Amrabat, what a tournament he's had. He has an amazing tournament. And the thing is, he's been playing like this uh, all season with FPA Rotina. So it's not really new. But he, he's, a, he's like a magnet to the ball. Whoever has the ball, uh, Amrabat, within seconds, is next to him. He, he, he eliminated um, uh, De Bruyne in, in the game against Belgium. And Modric has had trouble with him in, in that game. So... Um, the thing with him, uh, he's not only uh, defensively really well, uh, as you can see in, in those games, but also in the build-up you can use him. And I think he's going to make a big transfer after this, uh, even in January, I think, because a lot of teams, <laughs> a lot of teams want a, a, this type of player. Like uh, he's, he's like, I think you can compare with Angolo Conte. I think a, a typical Angolo Conte, Yaya Toure type of player, and every team can use this kind of uh, player. Well, I tell you something, Anwar. Um, I don't know about Jules Laurence, but I'm sorry, Jules. I'm rooting for Morocco <laughs> tomorrow. I want it, and I love Moroccan food. I want that stuff to be 50% off in New York City. So I need that to happen right now. But honestly, on behalf of ESPN FC Daily, we wish the Moroccan people and this tremendous team the very best of luck. Hopefully, it'll be a fantastic game. And hopefully, we'll see you again. Maybe, you never know, for the final. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you, Anwar. Thank you. Right there. I love it. I love it, Kay. I love how good Morocco are. I'm so up for it. I'm so excited. Are you like kind of rooting for Morocco or are you like France? I mean, who, who can't be at this point? It's so hard not to. And I mean, whatever happens to them now. Oh, here's your prize, Argentina in the final. But you know. <laughs> Let, let's just see how it goes. What a story it's been, even this. As you said, the first African team to ever get this far in a World Cup. It's just been wonderful. And I do feel as though these are the tournament darlings, whatever happens. Everybody has been on their side. It's hard not to be, isn't it? Although, when it comes to lifting that World Cup, many a player wants to see Lionel Messi finally doing it. And we were really lucky because we actually managed to catch up, you and I, with Ollie Palmer, the striker from Wrexham AFC. And if you've been watching, welcome to Wrexham on Hulu or FX or wherever you've been watching it, you'll know all about this guy. Here's what he had to say about Messi in the World Cup. I would like, I really wanted, I did really want, if England weren't going to be there, I really wanted a Portugal-Argentina final, just the two goats. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, for me, probably, I would probably have to go to Argentina now just to see Messi lift the World Cup. Just to, he, just as a human being, player, icon, he just deserves it. Him or Ronaldo need to win it. It's just so unjust if they don't. Um, don't know if they will though. Um, I think France will have a big say in that, but um, yeah, I'll probably be rooting for Argentina from now. On. It's it sounds as though you can't be drawn between the two, Messi and Ronaldo. It's the eternal question in football. You said the two goats. Many are saying that if Messi does win the World Cup, that settles the argument. Where do you stand on it? I feel like. So Ronaldo's my goat. Ronaldo's my number one. Um, 
they are t- people make points about them both now t- i think it just comes down to favoritism like you like apples i like bananas i think that's how people that you could you could argue until you're blue in the face it's it's pointless it just comes down to personal preference i was a real madrid fan over barcelona i don't know how people make them choices in england you, you know in el Clasico, it's real madrid or barca i've just loved real madrid so that's the way i've always gone I'm a Ronaldo fan over Messi, um, two completely different players, but I know they're both as good as each other, and they've, you know, the stats are just absolutely mental. Um, yeah, so for me, Ronaldo, and I think it's just done on favoritism, and I think a lot of, Ronaldo gets a lot of bad press, you know, like you know, Messi after the game kind of pushing the, um, who was it? Who did Argentina knock out in the last game? Netherlands. Huh? Who did Argentina knock out last? The Netherlands. Yeah. Netherlands with that bit with all the feist in the penalty yeah, shootout. Yeah, so when they knocked out the Netherlands and Messi's doing his interview after and he's kind of shooing the player away and that was Ronaldo. He'd be getting absolutely obliterated, like obliterated about his attitude and stuff. Messi can just gets away with stuff like that and that really annoys me. Um to be fair, he hardly ever does that. Messi's so that, done loads of stuff. Like that was a that was a Messi, weird one for him. Nah, Messi's <laughs> Messi's shut down loads of players. Like Messi's done many things like that. But you know, Ronaldo, I just feel like because he's a lot more ego driven on the public eye, and he'll come out and he say that he's good looking, and he comes out and he says, "I am the best in the world." A lot of people instantly just take a dislike into him. Um, you know, has. Ronaldo's the only one walking around shaking everyone's hand whilst crying um, after they've been knocked out. Does he get any like press about that? No, you just see, you just see like natural footage from fans' cameras seeing him doing that. No one else is doing that, and that doesn't get picked up on. But obviously, press. I don't know if you guys come under press, but press generally only report <laughs> bad things because that gives you clickbait, right? So. Um, <laughs> And that we still look at Ronaldo as being lovely to all the players, he's been a good sportsman, it doesn't but then you know, on the flip side, Messi should have got a lot more stick for being disrespectful to the player trying to shake his hand after a game. So but whatever. I'm a Ronaldo fan. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> We're sorry guys, this was filmed beforehand. We're of course gonna ask him that. But just we a reminder, don't be going at Oli Palmer. He was great. He was honest. And he did say he'd love to see Messi win the World Cup. So now that Argentina yeah. are there and Portugal are definitely not there, he'll be rooting for Messi. We can guarantee it. Uh, we don't want to be getting any more of you upset right now. So we're going to no. hot foot it. That's we'll why I left the tomorrow. screen, Kay. That's why I left the screen. I was like, we're sorry. <laughs> but we also...